welcome to the Free Music Ed podcast. Today we have a special guest from the company Music First. We have Jim Frankel. Hello, Jim. Hey, Stephen. Thanks very much for talking to me today. Oh, I'm very excited. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I was a uh, New Jersey public school music educator for about 15 years. I taught middle school band and general music, and I did a lot of stuff with music technology. I did uh, my all my um, graduate uh, work at Teachers College Columbia University, which is where I'm now uh, still an adjunct um, professor, and I teach a lot of music technology courses for music educators there. And about a year and a half ago, I took the position that I have now, which is the head of digital education for the music sales group, which is uh, the largest print, largest publisher of printed music in the world. And I run their education division. And, and as uh, part of those duties, um, I'm the director of Music First, which is uh, what I can't wait to tell you all about. Before I do that, though, I've got to say middle school band directors are the best no, thank you. It's it's one of those ages that you either love or hate, and and I loved I loved every minute of my uh, of my teaching career, especially with that age. Well, I, I can certainly relate. So let's go ahead. Tell us a little bit about music first and what you guys do. Well, it's one of those things when um, when, when you I was given an opportunity uh, that that doesn't come often very uh, doesn't come along very often where um, somebody said, Jim, if you could do anything you want and create a company. Um, that does anything, you know, what you'd love, what would you do? Um, and I looked at all the stuff that's great about music technology and education, but I also looked at all the stuff that wasn't so great. Um, and I think the listeners of your podcast will uh, will know all of those, you know, the good and the bad part of technology. You know, the great part being that it inspires creativity, it makes access uh, for students, really easy. They, there's never been a, a greater interest in music, in my opinion. But the bad stuff is it's expensive. It doesn't always work. The platforms that you're on, uh, you know, change very often, and you're constantly having to upgrade. So the the rationale behind Music First was let's look at a company that uh, let's try to build a company that will be, you know, where the future is headed. So we'll be there right on the bleeding edge, if you will. And that, in my opinion, there is no question that the future of uh, technology music education is cloud-based. And, and, and what we did was build a company, and I looked for companies to partner with as well as to acquire that are already in that space, uh, and, and meaning that uh, the software itself, rather than coming in a box and shrink wrap that you would buy from a store, Instead, it is a um, it is a it, it is software that lives within a website, uh, and that all you need to access that software is an internet connection. So that's really where music um, first came from, and all the products that we sell, um, or at this point, almost all the products that we sell are are in the cloud. Meaning that the way that the people get to use those software um, titles is to open up a browser, type in a URL click enter and start go uh, creating and learning about music. So not too long ago, we did an interview with Joe Berkowitz from NoteFlight, and they're a cloud-based computing company. What are some other examples you can give us real quick? Well, Joe is the perfect person uh, to speak with, because in my opinion, uh, the first time I saw NoteFlight back in 2008, um, I was blown away. Uh, and so you really got a good guy uh, to talk to there. So um, we looked at all the other um, 
types of software that there are for music educators. And so, for example, um, you know, there, you need a sequencing and music production program. And that's, believe it or not, was the hardest one to find. But when I found it, it was it was an incredible product called Soundation. And uh, Music First has um, licensed their education business uh, called Soundation for Education. What that basically is, is GarageBand or MixCraft, and it lives in, in a website. So again, it's, it's not software that's on your computer. And then we partnered with Rising Software, which is a company that makes Aurelia and Musician. Uh, and recently, or in, a, in about uh, less than a few days, we're going to launch Aurelia First and Musician First. And those products are um, uh, kind of uh, geared towards the elementary and middle school um, students. But Aurelia Musician were also very early to the cloud version, which means students use those products at home teacher assigns homework and they go home on their own computers and, and do that homework. And so now with Aurelia First and Musician First, they'll be able to um, use that at the elementary and middle school level. And, and it's it's more cost of effective, cost effective for those uh, age levels as well. We also uh, looked at um, music performance software. So there's a great company from England called Charanga and makes a product called Charanga Music World which combines a video gaming environment similar to Angry Birds uh, and, and has students for very beginning instrumental lessons, encourages them to practice by going through a series of games that focus on their instrument. And uh, they win prizes and they get to, uh, to pick avatars, which kids love to do. It's a product called Focus on Sound, which is uh, very similar to Microsoft Musical Instruments and Sibelius Instruments, lives completely online in the cloud. Teachers can assign tests. And they also have an incredible uh, multimedia dictionary of music terms called Sound Words. Um, then there's also a, a product out of uh, Norway called Music Delta, which is a really fun uh, and kind of uh, everything, in, including the kitchen sink type of software program, but it focuses uh, a lot on music history, uh, both popular music history and classical music history. Uh, there is a company called O Generator or O Music, which makes a product called O Generator, which we're bringing to the cloud. Uh, Naxos Music Library, which I'm sure your listeners are familiar with. Uh, wonderful, 1.2 million tracks for teachers to play for their students. And um, quite exciting, uh, there is a product called Inside Music, which is made um, by uh, Sandy McLeod, who was the originator of Vermont MIDI Project, now the uh, Music Comp, uh, a complete online um, curriculum for teaching composition. And in, in my opinion, it's the Khan Academy, if you will, for, uh, for music um, composition. Fabulous product. And we're also, um, if I may, uh, we, we are redeveloping a wonderful product called Groovy, which was uh, originally made by Sibelius. And we're bringing Groovy Shapes, Jungle, and City back uh, to uh, as a cloud version. Uh, and that should be about a, a year away from now, as well as uh, Morton Subotnik's software titles, Making Music and Making More Music. We're reimagining what uh, his work, uh, where kids draw music, and uh, we're bringing that back too. So really exciting stuff and the web makes all of it possible and it makes it probably most importantly very affordable. Now that's all that's all really neat. That's a bunch of different software to think about. All of these of course we can find if we go to musicfirst.com is that the right address? That's absolutely right. When we talk about cloud computing, 
uh, we're, we're talking about programs mostly that run inside of a browser. Is that correct? That's correct. I mean, the easiest example um, that, that I've been telling uh, music educators about is something like uh, the Amazon Kindle model, where you buy a device, uh, in this case, a Kindle, and you go on their store and you buy a book and you read it on your device and then uh, you bookmark it when you're finished, uh, you know, reading a chapter, if you will. Um, and then you later on, uh, you have a few minutes and you steal away some time and you have a, your, a smartphone and you open up your Kindle app. And when you open up that book, it's, it's in the same place where you left off the last time. So it doesn't really matter the device that you're on um, or where you are. You're, you always have access to that uh, data. And that's really what the cloud is all about. And, and, and very, very different than the traditional software model in that it doesn't matter if you're on a Mac or a PC or in many you know, things like an iPad or an Android device. You can access a URL and the work that you've been doing lives online in the cloud rather than uh, in a, you know, on a, on a part of your hard drive somewhere so that you have to be on that specific machine to use it. And that's really the biggest advantage of the cloud for students is they have access to these incredible software titles anywhere at any time. Yeah, so those those advantages that you're talking about right there is if you use one of these programs at your school with your students, that they can access their work at home, and they don't even have to install anything. They just go on to the same type of website and access all the materials and just pick up where they were at school, usually without any additional fees than what they're already paid to be using it at the school. Is that right? That's absolutely correct. So you take a program like GarageBand, which is pretty ubiquitous, um, and if, if, if you're, the students are using it in your classroom and they're working on a project uh, like a podcast uh, for, for, their, um, for their general music curriculum, um, when that bell rings, the kid, the kid cannot go and um, uh, you know, pick up where they left off at home. It's, it's, it's really uh, not feasible for a student to continue that work at home. And that's exactly what this software does is it, it, it doesn't matter where they are. They can do, they can be working in the classroom and then go home and pick up where they left off. In that regard, you said earlier that it's made this a lot more affordable. Can you kind of tell me a little bit about that, how cloud-based software has become more affordable than the traditional models? So because we're not shipping a box when we sell uh, cloud-based software, and instead we're really selling a username and a password, um, or, or really a set of username and passwords for, for a teacher and their students to use, we can charge a whole lot less money. Um, while it still costs a lot of money to create these tools uh, from, a, from an ongoing annual subscription model of revenue, it, it makes it so that we can charge about a dollar per student per year. Um, and that, in my opinion, is a really wonderful uh, way to stretch a, a music budget, which in some cases is, you know, zero. And in some cases, it's only a couple of thousand dollars a year. Depends, you know, uh, what level and, and, and where you're teaching. So it's, a, it's you know, one dollar per student per year, we think is a great um, model. Uh, and we hope that teachers do, too. Well, I, I can tell you that that tends to fit into most people's budget uh, better than anything else. I mean, you can't you can't give a kid a read for a dollar, you know. Right. 
Okay, one of the other advantages to cloud-based software that we haven't really talked about is its ability to go from different platforms. You kind of mentioned that you can access some of these things on the iPad, for example, uh, but and then Mac to PC or really anything that has a browser. But then is, does that mean that uh, the type of hardware that you need on the user end is usually not as complicated? Absolutely. In fact, it's we would we would say it's hardware agnostic, meaning that um, if, if you're on a, a you know a Mac at school, you can go home and use a Chromebook. Or if you're on a Chromebook at school, you can go home and open it up on your iPad or or, or an Android device uh, or you know PC. It really doesn't matter as long as you're using a browser like Internet Explorer, Safari, Chrome, Firefox. Um, you're, you're fine, uh, and that's what's so beautiful about um, cloud and 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 this new emerging programming language HTML5, which has been around for for a couple of years now. But in terms of music software, it's very new, and we're definitely on the cutting edge right now, being able to do some pretty complicated tasks within a web browser. It's a very exciting time. Now, as a disadvantage, if you don't have internet, you can't use it. Yeah, I mean that's that is the disadvantage. Um, but what we're, you know, I did a, a ton of research about, um, you know, internet access and kids and schools, and what we found is is that even in the most impoverished areas of the United States and really, for that matter, around the world, um, that 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 internet connectivity is there. And it might be that instead of having a desktop computer in their home, they're on a mobile uh, device or on a, some type of smartphone. And, um, you know, all the research that we've looked at, uh, you know, across all um, demographics and socioeconomic factors is that uh, that Internet uh, connectivity is almost an essential part of life. So, yeah, you're, there there are going to be some issues here and there um, if your Internet goes down, uh, that those types of things will happen. Um, but we think that the advantages far outweigh uh, any disadvantages that that might cause. Those have been my observations as well, is that while Internet access is not universal, it's almost universal. And really, every other subject in school, they're wanting the kids to be able to have Internet access. So uh, it's it's not unusual for us to be looking for that for our music programs as well. Right. And certainly school Internet access, um, even thinking back to my own doctoral um, research, is that school internet access is at the 99.9% of all schools in the United States have have internet. I would be surprised if it's not 100 at this point, but um, you know, at home that that access is also very very high. Now, how, what about internet speed? Does that play into this at all? Well, you, what's funny is I've been going around the country and, and and around the world showing these tools, and in some places the internet is very slow, and other places it's lightning fast. But for the for the most part, um, the tools that I've been showing have had it really um, function no matter what. What you'll see is with um, a, a, a product like Soundation, which is uh, you know a, a music production software or cloud-based software program where you can record audio right into a web browser if your if your internet speed isn't up to you know uh, some type of minimal standard you might um, have some latency issues but in terms of performance the sites all work um, you know uh, it just depends on you know obviously the faster your connection uh, the faster or the less uh, time you'll have to wait uh, for like say a video to load something like that 
So the same type of experiences that you already have on the internet, expect that when you're using the cloud-based services. Absolutely. Perfect. Is there anything that there's not a cloud-based solution for that we just you know can't do that yet? Um, right now, only one of our products, uh, which is called O Generator Learn to Compose and O Generator World Music, uh, that's being converted uh, to a cloud-based product as well as some others. But what, what HTML5 doesn't quite do just yet is um, allow users to um, record audio, record uh, instruments, um, use loops. Um, Soundation is, is absolutely cloud-based. But uh, what HTML5 does is allows it to be used on any device, including an iPad. So a product like uh, Soundation is not quite ready for the iPad yet, um, using Safari, for example. Um, but I think that within the next year, all of these uh, products will be, uh, HTML5 is still being written, believe it or not. Uh, and about a, about a year from now, all of this will be a distant memory. Yeah, okay. So how about integration with other things that you're already using? Do some of these have like a social networking aspect or anything like that? I mean, since it's on the internet, I guess we can do anything. Absolutely. And and, and what's, what's even more exciting is that a lot of the tools have free versions that you can try out for yourself to see if they fit your needs before you go and make even the minimal investment of, of uh, you know, around $200 a year for, for the product. And that $200 a year is for the whole school and not just for, you know, one kid. Um, but from a, all of the, or for example, NoteFlight and Soundation both have export features, which allow you to use those file formats in other existing software. So for example, NoteFlight will export as MIDI or XML and you'll be able to open up those files in any other notation program, if it's Finale or Sibelius or, or Notion for that matter, you can, you know, there is some kind of a two-way street between those programs. And Soundation opens or exports, I should say, uh, as an audio uh, file, as a WAV file. Um, so you can bring those into some higher end uh, music production and software titles as well. All right, so we've talked about some of those different type of uh, products and things. And one that caught my attention was you mentioned something that you think is the Khan Academy of Composing, and it got me thinking about online courses. Do you guys have anything like that? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things that we have noticed uh, since we launched the company a few months ago is that a lot of teachers out there are unsure of what cloud is and, and really need good training on, on how to use these tools and how to implement them in their in their specific teaching situation. So to kind of um, to get to those teachers and to help them out, we recently announced a a free online course that will be uh, that I'll actually be teaching this fall called Teaching Music in the Cloud. Um, you can go to uh, if you go to musicfirst.com, you can find out more information there on how to how to register. But it's a 10-week course. There'll be live instruction um, every week using a webinar tool um, that that we that we use all the time with uh, our customers. Um, and there'll also be a, a, a learning management system in place. We're going to use a product called Edmodo, which a lot of your listeners may be familiar with. And um, people signing up for that course can can come to some of it, can come to all of it. Um, they'll get a professional development certificate at the end of the course. It's about 20, uh, 20 hours of live instruction and 20 hours of um, threaded asynchronous um, learning. So they'll be you know, doing projects and, uh, and learning online. We have a couple of hundred people who have already signed up for it. But what's wonderful about these uh, under online courses 
is that there really is no limit to the number of students that that can join the class and i would uh, urge all your listeners Stephen, to um to check it out and you know one of the great things about a course being free is that if you don't like uh, what you're learning or you don't think it's valuable you just leave um, but we we're pretty sure that all the students that sign up will stay through uh, to the end of the course. And I'm really excited about the fact that we're able to offer that for free. Well, you know, I'm a huge fan of uh, a free education, especially free music education. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you mentioned earlier the Chromebook. And for any listeners that don't know, the Chromebook is basically, if you remember a while back when everyone was excited about getting uh, a netbook, a small laptop and, you know, maybe not great specs, you know, but they were cheap. You could pick one up for a couple hundred dollars. Chromebook is kind of the next iteration of that idea where instead of having a reduced laptop, you've got a, a laptop that's ultimately just a browser. They tend to be really lightweight. They tend to be very cheap, but pretty much everything you do is through the Chrome browser. All your applications and everything, all of it's cloud-based. And, uh, do you, Jim, do you think that that's where we're headed with all of our machines? Or do you think that keeping all of our software on a hard drive is going to stick around for 20 more years? I wouldn't say that it'll be around for 20 more years, but I, I do think without question that that's the, the, the model of the Chromebook is where we're headed. Um, and, you know, the days where you would brag about, um, you know, your hard drive being a couple of terabytes and then, uh, it being actually an important uh, selling point was was the size of the hard drive of the uh, laptop or the desktop computer. It's really not going to be that big of a selling feature for very much longer. If you look at all the companies that are going uh, to the cloud, even Adobe's Creative Suite is now a cloud-based application. Um, this is where it's all heading and that computers will be much more like um, what, what Steve Jobs had in mind uh, towards the end of his life was that computers would be more of terminals uh, that would access uh, all the content and software online. It's funny that you mentioned the Adobe Creative Suite because I've been looking into that and, you know, it, it is a subscription service, but you still download all the applications. Right. So, yeah, they're using cloud at a little bit a de different definition, which is that the way they disseminate the software to you is online rather than through a box. But, yeah, it's um, the, so the definition of cloud depends on which company you talk to. Yeah, I think it's cheating to call uh, the, the Adobe suite a cloud based product. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, but but, the, you know, the fact that a company as big as Adobe is putting the word cloud in their software um, to me, I don't think it'll be that far behind that their applications will actually be truly cloud-based and live online as well. Yeah, and I, I tend to agree with that. That's probably true. And how how do you feel about that, too, is that the other big shift is not only is the software going online, but it's also going to subscriptions. So it used to be, you know, you had a higher initial cost, but then that software was yours to use and keep forever. Uh, with most of these cloud-based services, including, I'm sure, most of the ones you do, you, you, you pay to use that software for a certain t amount of time. Right, and what that does, though, is, is, A, it's infinitely less expensive, that subscription, but, you know, you could say, all right, well, if I'm going to use this for 10 years, it might add up to the same price as the box. But what you have to remember about all these cloud-based products and the ones that we represent as well is that updates happen on the fly. You don't have to wait for the next version 
and then spend another couple of hundred dollars upgrading every year. The, the subscription makes sure that that software is constantly being updated. So if you look at a, a, a site like Facebook, for example, whether you love or hate their updates, they're constantly tweaking the interface of their, and, so, and really Facebook is software, um, they're constantly um, tweaking uh, it all the time. You don't even notice it happens while you sleep. But if you think back to, um, say, for example, Finale, you know, you buy the box, you buy it once, um, but then a year or two down the road, a really compelling upgrade happens, and then you fork over not not the full price of the software, but a, you know, a couple, maybe a hundred dollars, hundred and twenty-five dollars to upgrade. And so, what the the advantage to a, a subscription-based model is that you're paying infinitely less per year. Uh, and and really, if you don't like it, you can just press. Uh, you know, I actually I don't feel like renewing. Um, but uh, we, we think it is the model uh, for the future for software. Seems like such a small thing, just saying, well, okay, now we're going to shift the software onto the Internet, but it changes the way that everything feels. You know, do you feel like, this is a random question, just something that I thought about, uh, do you feel like if you do this that you really need to figure out how to make your browser full screen to enjoy it? Um, no, it depends on the tool. It's a, it's a very good question. So in, on a browser, uh, say like um, uh, Chrome, um, which is the one that I use most often, you can do full screen. Uh, and, and on a couple of the applications um, that we have, say NoteFlight and Soundation, when you put it in that full screen mode, uh, it, it really feels genuinely like you're in a piece of software. It does not feel like a website at all. And that's happening uh, more and more. And more and more of our products really feel that way. In fact, I think that anybody who even tries a free version, um, you'll be quickly lulled into this sense of I'm using software. There's no, we really feel that there's no discernible difference between the two, you know, a traditional box product and, uh, and a cloud-based product. You know, the other big transition that's happening right now other than cloud-based is so many things are moving into touchscreen technology, uh, especially with tablets, and as tablets are becoming more and more important. Uh, now, I know that NoteFlight, for example, has a iPad-specific or tablet-specific interface. Uh, do many of the programs do that? Yeah, I mean, what you're referring to is, uh, it's called responsive design. And so a lot of the uh, tools that we're working with the ability to press on something with your finger uh, to an iPad user seems like it's a it's a you know a given that it should automatically do that. Um, but with when you're talking about software, it's something that you actually have to build into it. So what we've been doing with the products that we're redeveloping uh, for HTML5 is exactly that responsive design. So it depends on which browser you're you're in, automatically detects that you're in an iPad and turns on that touch screen uh, functionality. Uh, but it really does depend on the title. Yeah, okay. And, of course, that makes sense. And some things seem to be real natural to use on a touchscreen. I think about uh, an important piece of cloud-based software that's free, and that is musictheory.net. Yep. Uh, you know, I don't think it was designed necessarily with tablets in mind, but, man, it just works so great, most of their exercises, to to be, you know, pushing with your finger on the buttons. Yep, it's an absolutely wonderful site, and um, for those you know those listeners that haven't heard it, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what what else can we find at MusicFirst.com? We've got uh, all of your software. Do you guys do any any type of blog or anything like that? 
Yeah, we've got we've got a ton of stuff there. We've got we do um, uh, webinars and all those are archived. Um, you can sign up for our newsletter on the site. I, I do a monthly newsletter with a whole bunch of uh, lesson plans, um, you know, and, and useful and articles. It's it's really meant to be very pro music teacher. Uh, and, and as a former music educator, I know what what what, uh, or at least I think I know what uh, teachers would like to see in, in a newsletter like that. Um, but I would I would urge uh, them to to check that out and look at it, look us up on Facebook um, and and see our daily updates. And we we share free tools and we share articles and and as well as uh, more information about the products that we carry. Wonderful. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today before we uh, conclude this interview? No, I, I just wanted to thank you for the time. Uh, I think that your your podcast is a, is a wonderful resource for music educators, and I hope that uh, you know this, that that you know tens of thousands of people um, subscribe to your podcast channel. And, and uh, you know that's how I got started. I started podcasting back in 2004, and it's such a wonderful uh, medium. And I, I'm really a fan of the work uh, that you do, and and trying to spread uh, the resources. Uh, and make them more known about and available to music teachers. Because when it all comes down to it, uh, I think we're all in it for the same reason, and that is to get kids really excited about music. And uh, I, I thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to chat with your listeners today, and, and I hope wish you many years of uh, success in the future with this podcast. Hey, well, I really appreciate that very much. And like he said, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, go ahead and do it. And uh you know, guys, most importantly, keep on practicing. <laughs> <laughs>